Hello, welcome to the fourth episode of Theology Taco. My name is Tim and I am your host. I had already recorded this episode uh, last week on Wednesday, I believe it was, but I wasn't very thrilled with it. And then uh, the, the following two days, I was at the Global Leadership Summit, which was hosted by um, Willow Creek Association out of Illinois. And I guess you could say it had a pretty big impact on me. And I wanted to cover that here on this podcast. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to include the original stuff that I was going to talk about last week. Uh, the two questions that were asked of me. And uh, then I'm going to talk about personhood in the church. So the Global Leadership Summit. It was suggested to me that I should go. So I attended. And leadership for me is not uh, is is not something that I've dealt with a lot uh, in the past. I, I'm very new to leadership, and I, and I kind of stumbled into it the more I studied and, and prepared to enter uh, into ministry, and the more I got into discipleship, the more I found out that leadership was going to be something that I would take part in, and. The Global Leadership Summit, all of the speakers and all the resources presented to me uh, was very helpful in starting me down that path. But of course, since the Global Leadership Summit is such a, a large event, especially here in the United States, I think there was, they said like a 130,000 people in the U.S. alone would be uh, participating in the event. There was a, a fair amount of a controversy revolving around it, uh, especially that could be seen on Twitter. But uh, a lot of people like to complain on Twitter, myself included. So I'm not just throwing shade at other people. <laughs> uh, anyways, the controversy is one, some of it I, I don't understand completely because this was my first year. I, uh, some of the criticism said that there was uh, it promotes a hierarchical view of leadership in the church. Uh, maybe in, in past summits that could be seen, but I didn't really get a, a sense of it in, in this year's event. And then the the main controversy, I guess, is surrounding more of the Willow Creek Association who founded this event. Uh, Willow Creek Church in Illinois, their founder or their their head pastor, Bill Heibel, was accused of sexual misconduct by three different women. He originally denied the claims, and then he kind of backpedaled. He didn't admit, but he, I'll, I'll let you look into that for yourself and come to your own conclusion. But then the whole board of elders of the Willow Creek Church, they also resigned because they didn't treat the investigation into these claims too seriously and then they apologize and i guess this is their way of of repenting and so i i get it because real people are affected by this you know willow creek church the the church isn't the building church is the people so there are real people affected by this whole controversy uh on, on each side the church is made up of real people. But I guess, that being said, there are enough people that attend Willow Creek Church 
who felt that the Global Leadership Summit was worth uh, still putting on, still um, still facilitating the summit. So I understand that part of uh, the criticism because the stakes are, are, are so high and real people have their trust abused. And uh, the pow- power was abused and abusing power is sinful. As one of the speakers said at this year's conference, abusing power is sinful. That was uh, Craig Gross. Groeschel who said that. And then I saw a few other criticisms that kind of bothered me. One of the criticism said that uh, the the leaders who put it on or may, even the speakers or and the people or leaders who attend were narcissistic. But I think they said that without regarding the content of the presentations or the character of the presenters. Because when I did... When I attended and when I was watching and listening to presenters, I didn't, I didn't get that uh, feeling. I didn't get that that they these were people that were narcissists. These I think that these were people who leadership, you know, they didn't stumble into it, but the, it it fell on them, and they were people who really looked into leadership and like what worked and how can we be better leaders how can we treat people better uh so i didn't think that that criticism was fair but i don't know maybe i'm secretly a narcissist and also the the summit wasn't just meant for uh pastors of churches that was another criticism lobbed at at the willow creek at the global leadership summit like they're training all of these pastors to have create a corporate structure out of the church. But I think that what they are forgetting is that many Christians who make up the church have positions of leadership outside of the church. Like many of them are business owners. Maybe some of them are managers uh, at, at a store or a restaurant like moi. And so they just wanted good resources that can help them uh, be a better leader who cares about um, you know winning it's more about just being a better person it's, it's being a better servant so I thought that that criticism wasn't a very good one and another criticism that I saw was that the global leadership summit doesn't uh, lift up small pastors like they uh, someone said that they would rather st- have uh the global leadership summit be a panel of pastors of churches that are uh, that are really small and frankly I, I think that would be neat to for a global leadership summit to highlight some of those pastors but i don't think anyone is saying that pastors of small churches are bad leaders or or that they aren't worthwhile in fact if if you look on the bookshelf of of a pastor of a small church chances are you might find uh, a biography or autobiography of a leader that they very uh, very much admire and who they want to learn from and they might pra- uh, apply some of those leadership skills that they found in those books so I think that that was a little bit of a stretch for that criticism and the reason why these people got picked 
to speak at the Global Leadership Summit is a, something I mentioned earlier is that they found themselves in, in the role of leader and they said, huh, I wonder what I could say here I am, but I wonder what really makes this work. And so they analyzed what what makes leadership work. They broke it down and then they disseminated it to their audience so that it was something that we can understand and something that we can we can apply. It's not about um, what one of the th- things that I like that Simon Sinek said is that we aren't in a role of leadership to win. We're in the role of leadership to, um, I guess, outlast or just to be in it. He he uh, uh, related it to something called the infinite game. And so we're not in it to, to win. We're in it to last as long as we can. And we can't last long if we're treating people like their garbage and for and it meant a lot for me to attend because like I said it's very encouraging to me it's it was very neat to have all of those resources available from people that were in the business world who who uh, identified uh, roles of leadership that didn't sound all businessy but sounded very practical practical that I could apply in my own life and, and in my own role of mini- of uh, not ministry, but of, of leadership. So yeah, that's me. That's my take, my hot take on the Global Leadership Summit. Now, back to my original topic. Oh yeah, uh, personhood in the church. Well, I'm, I've got something to say about that, but first I wanted to get to the question an answer and uh, I was gonna I gave them 80s cartoon character names so that I could protect their identity (laughs) Um, the first one comes from a family member of mine and I'm gonna name her rainbow bright and she asks uh, what was the motivation to do the podcast in the first place and I think that's a a very good question. It's something that I had to think about for a little bit, but I'm going to answer that later. Sorry, Rambo Bright. And the second question uh, that I will actually be addressing first comes from Egon, um, and he asks, is there a better or less risky option between non-denominational and specific denominational churches. I'm assuming he's asking if there's something in in between, in between those that you can attend. And I think that's a great question. And I think some, um, a lot of people have tried to come up with an alternative to denominational churches and non-denominational ones. That's had mixed results. Uh, The one that I'm thinking of right now is the... uh, the emergent church movement, uh, which uh, it's something that emphasizes bringing back the practice of ancient Christian mysticism and focuses on uh, activism, and it also focuses on a narrative interpretation of scripture. And really, these are people who are tired of philosophy of modernism that had been so prevalent in the church up until maybe the 1990s or early 2000s 
and so they all they favor a, a postmodern uh, philosophy, but they're really just swapping out one philosophy <coughs> for another, and both aren't that great. And it can kind of get a little goofy because uh, I was reading one. Uh, story about an emergent church where a pastor ordered a whole bunch of sand so that it could be spread about the sanctuary floor and so that the congregants would feel closer to the first century Christians. In my opinion, that's kind of a waste of money. But another uh, thing is that they don't have a, the emergent church doesn't have a very good uh, hold on Christian doctrine. Well, they didn't used to anyways that could have changed recently so is there really a good alternative i would say not uh only because denominational churches they offer a bit of uh structure and uh doctrinal stability and they have people who hold the the pastors accountable like they have uh bishops that are overseeing uh a region of of uh, the denomination and then with non-denominational churches they're not they don't necessarily they don't necessarily have that kind of accountability but the congregation does have a little bit more of a say of what goes on in the church and if you if you dig down deep on a non-denominational churches website they they have a very uh, specific set of what they believe. So if you try to go for something in between, you might find something that's pretty ambiguous or even a little cult, uh, cultish. And that can be kind of scary and kind of confusing. So let's get to my family member's uh, question. Rainbow Bright, <laughs> she asked, what was the motivation behind the podcast? Well, Rainbow Bright, that's a good question with a few different answers. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is because it's a creative outlet for me. I spent a lot of time earning my degree, and because I don't really have a professional setting right now to use my degree, I needed something to channel that creative energy and everything that I've learned and what I'm passionate about onto a platform that could reach an audience. And the second reason is, and this may sound weird to some people, but I really love editing things together. I get to do that to a podcast where I can edit together music, narration, and other audio clips into something that hopefully is cohesive. And believe me, I do a lot of editing because there's a lot of um and um. So, <laughs> yeah. The third reason is... Uh, sort of related to the first the more I study the Bible and the more I read theological works the more I feel the urge to tell people about it I think there's a ton of fascinating things about faith that people pass over and me creating a, a podcast is a way to bring these things to other people to try to get them to think twice about something some people might call that ministry I, I want to do it in a fun way, though, with some quirky things thrown in to make people laugh because that might keep their interest for the, the full episode. But I also love to make people laugh. And I guess, uh, in, in, you know, the reason why I call it Theology Taco is because of no reason at all. I think that it's, it's quirky. 
Uh, I guess it's because maybe I'm a millennial and I really like tacos. But actually, my wife came up with the name. Uh, well, she came up with the taco part. Originally, I was going to call it Theology Pizza because anybody who knows me knows that I'm basically uh, a fat ninja turtle and I love pizza. But Theology Taco has the alliteration, and I still really, I really like tacos, except for shrimp tacos. And I had to, and it sort of embraces it's sort of in an embrace of myself i had to get to a place that i've only started to get to recently where i'm comfortable being myself even if that's being a little goofy or even if people my age think it's a little immature you know i want to have fun and i want to have fun uh talking about serious things in the church talking about faith christian faith and theology is serious but let me tell you something a christian is also supposed to be joyful and i think humor quirkiness being just you know comfortable with who god is making you uh, to a certain extent is is a reflection of what joy is and i think I'm hopefully I'm embracing my gifts and being obedient to uh, God by through embracing my gifts. And I I think uh, that is uh, springboards into my next point, which was to talk about personhood. And what is personhood exactly? Uh, the Westminster Dictionary of Theological Terms defines it as that which expresses one's self as a person and the person is an individual substance of a rational nature personhood highlights that an individual is capable of reason and expression the idea of personhood hasn't always played well in the church sometimes the gifts or expression of the individual were minimized for the sake of serving god as my wife was talking about on the last episode of the podcast there was and sometimes still and this attitude that you can't have God in education. So it's basically God or nothing. You, you, it's either you serve God or you chase after your gifts, which leaves you down um, a dark path. And I don't believe that because I believe God gave you gifts for a reason to use them and to use them to serve him, but also because you take joy in what he's given you. And, and, a, and an example of this comes from the life of the Olympian Eric Liddell, whose story was turned into a movie called Chariots of Fire. Maybe you've heard the soundtrack. It goes, dun, 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 that was terrible. Sorry. Anyways, uh, during his time in the Olympics, Eric was also... He was training to be a missionary in China. And during his uh, training in the Olympics or his, his preparation in the Olympics, his sister, who was going to join him on his mission trip to China, uh, came and confronted him and was like, yo, you're, you're doing too much of this. You're not serving God. You're more focused on running. However, Eric said something to her during that conversation that really kind of puts personhood in its place in relation to the Bible and serving God. He said, I believe God made me for a purpose, 
but he also made me fast. <laughs> and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Personhood in the church then recognizes our talents are God-given. Psalm 139, 13-14, which is one of my favorite verses, says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Personhood not only recognizes our talents are God-given, but are to be used and when used can be considered being as being obedient to God. In fact, we should use our talents to serve God because it shows the variety of ways, the diversity, I should say, that, that God gives us with. Also in Romans 12, Paul writes, So in Christ, though we, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage, if, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And Peter also backs this up. In 1 Peter 4.10, he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So, listen, you want to call it talent? I think that's a gift from God. I, as it said in Psalm 139, he knit you together. You, dis, you discover you have a talent. I think that's a gift from God. In fact, I think he increased it. He can add on to it. Like we find uh, the uh, blacksmiths in the book of Numbers, they already had a skill and God put the Holy Spirit on them and then they started creating all this wonderful stuff for the tabernacle. So if, you ha if you're an athlete, you're a swimmer, runner, whatever, you can use that to serve God because I think he put that talent, that gift into you to run and or and to swim, to do the shot put, javelin, whatever. And you can use that to serve God. That's a great effective tool uh, for witnessing. And if the same goes if you're an artist. I have a niece-in-law, I should say, who's a great artist. And she uses her art to help women who have been abused by sex trafficking or in human trafficking. And I think a few other uh, ministries. She donates all the, the proceeds to from her commission pieces. Uh, in fact, uh, the uh, the artist that designed the logo for this podcast, he attends my church and he owns a, a business called 723 Creative. And he helps out our church a lot with uh, all of our graphic design needs. And then uh, another way I've seen gifts applied is so during the summer we had this uh, we had this uh, special Sunday called Communicator Sunday where a bunch of people were picked by the pastoral pa staff to g get up and give a, a short speech uh, sermonette uh, or uh, testimony to the church and uh, I was one of those people thankfully but one of the uh, speakers really caught my attention with the way that she applies her gifts. So she 
rescues dogs. And it is her conviction that God placed a burden on her heart to rescue dogs and, and, and or train them or bring them back from uh, a point in their life where they people thought those dogs might not make it and she nursed them back to health. There was this one dog that she had who was just like on death's door and, and she nursed that dog back back to health. In fact, she used the passage in Romans 12 as to support her um, conviction that she uh, uses gift, uh, the variety of, of gifts, especially this gift, to serve God. She believes it, it, she's being a good steward uh, to God's creations, and, and I think, uh, and I agree with her. And so personhood is just the church, okay? <laughs> we need to nurture these gifts and we need to encourage people to use them to not only serve God, but serve each other. It's not, you know, an arm can't be a foot, the kneecap can't be a, a, a neck. We're all different, and yet we're all part of one body. And all of our different parts of the body are what make the body function. And so we have to get to this place. And I think we've gotten there recently a lot better recently of where we need to encourage this to happen because that edifies the body of course but then people outside the faith are are paying attention and they're looking at us and saying wow you know that's a creative uh, that's a creative group of people and you know we want we want to know more and so it's it's a way of witnessing to other people. So I guess I'm going to cut it there next week uh, or the next. I won't say next week because it takes me longer than a week. I'm going to be try to talk about grace and uh, something that caught my attention in Ephesians 4 about grace. So, yep. Uh, God bless. Have a good night or and have a good week weekend whenever you're listening to this why haven't i shut this off yet bye